Hi. Um, we will talk about uh, uh, chapter one of supply chain management. So let me share the screen with you. Now, the objective of this uh, chapter one is to identify the elements of operation and supply chain management. Uh, we will evaluate the efficiency of the firm, know the potential career and opportunities in the operation and supply chain management, recognizing the major concepts that define the operation and supply chain management field. So, um, <clears throat> Now, in the beginning, I'd like to talk about the, the, uh, the strategy, the process, and the analysis. These three always uh, integrated in with each other if you can have um, an OCM uh, successfully. So there is a strategy, and then you, according to the strategy, you pull up the process, and then you do the analysis, and you do it. It's on constant base of adjusting. Now, the operation and supply chain management uh, involve uh, specialties in um, these are the fields that you probably can uh, run to it in, if you're going to work in this uh, field or we will be also talking about it during the year about them it's a uh, it's about product design it's about purchasing manufacturing service operation uh, logistic distribution so everything away from um, probably the accounting and uh, sales and marketing. The rest is part of the supply chain management and operation. And uh, they all is success depends upon the um, orientation related strategy, process and delivery products and service and analysis to the support the decision needs to manage the firm. In other words, as we said, um, a successful uh, supply chain management and operation has a three part. One part is the strategy. When you build the strategies to implement the, pl the plan, then you talk about the uh, set up the process and you do the process, implement the process to meet your strategy. And then you do the analysis where you adjust your strategy and you adjust your process again for it. So it was an unconstant adjustment happening in, in the, this field. So the question is, what is the operation and supply chain management? The definition is the, des the design, operation, and improvement of the system that create and deliver the firm primary products and services. So it could be a service or it could be a uh, primaries. So the, the design and the operation and improvement of that system is part of the supply chain management uh, and OCCM, OSCM. Operation supply chain management is concerned with the management of the entire product production or service delivery system. And we will be talking about more about product production or service de delivery systems uh, separately. And we try to analyze them and see how we can, things that we need to know about it to improve the service or to improve the product. 
So it's basically the function field business uh, of business are operation and supply chain management, uh, marketing, finance, and sales. So we have, uh, as we said in the early, there is a four fields, and most of us are aware of the marketing, aware of the sales, aware of the finance. The, the rest is belong to operation and supply chain management. So the land of the work, the land of uh, job opportunity is a huge in if you're specialized in operation or supply chain management. Now, um, so operation and supply chain process is, as we said, is first is operation and then the second part is the supply chain. The operation is made of manufacturing and service process used to transform the resource into products. So you have a, a material, you got the semi-finished or finished uh, or not on the raw material and you process it to, to uh, the product for the other supplier or the end user customers. Manufacturing product produce a physical product and then you get the service product, it's the intangible product. And they both have certain specification that when we are uh, operating in the, in the factory or a company, we need to take into consideration of these two things. Uh, in order to improve the businesses. The part of the supply chain is the process that move the, um, uh, probably uh, uh, move information and material uh, to and from the firm. Uh, when it's part of like a logistical process, move the products, warehousing process stores products information makes the process more efficient so you got the products that the, how we move in the products within the organization with its manufacturing or between one supplier to another uh, customer or supplier or whatever and the second part is uh, the, the the warehousing and the procedures of warehousing and the information makes the process efficient uh, um, <clears throat> Now, uh, just a quick thing, um, some definition that you probably need to know about it is the fact that um, operation supply chain planning is the process needed to operate an existing supply chain strategies. So basically, when we talk about strategy, now we're talking about a company, for example, just like a, a big ship versus a small ship. A small ship, when it's moving from point A to B, because there is one captain and one person is on the ship, it could be very flexible to move things around easily. But if we're talking about a larger mid-sized ship, there is, has to be there is some, the strategy we're moving from point A to B, there has to be a plan because there was like a, a, a fuel involved in it, the consumption, the stopping, there are so many things in it. So you cannot even, in the companies, you always have to be planning according to the, the strategy that is built to it. 
The second part that you need to know is the sourcing. Selecting of the supplier that will deliver the good and service needed to create the final product. A set of pricing, delivery, payment, and partnership metrics needed. Here, where we're going to talk of one chapter about it, where we trying to mitigate the risk and um, looking at the different type of sourcing and who's supposed to source to that when they deliver on. Also, we're trying to maximize the profit, minimizing the cost by increasing, you know, maximizing the cost of the uh, good purchase or material purchase, the type of par uh, payment, and what kind of a partnership we're looking at. And these are what we'll be touching on it in the coming chapters. <clears throat> Making, producing the major product of providing the service. So we take a raw material or semi-finished good, and we try to finish it, make it to a, a different product and give it to the end user or a customer or another buyer who becomes a, a supplier for another supplier or another service. Delivering is the logistic process as selecting uh, carriers, coordinating the movement of goods and information and collecting payments from the customers. Delivering is very important. One of the things is delivering on time, just in time, whether you have a perishable good, non-perishable good, that's all makes a difference. It's also, you need to be very careful that you don't buy a lot of things. And there is a full chapter about the warehouse management and how we deliver things, get the things from the suppliers and then deliver it to the, to the customers. So these are all things that we need to, to look at it um, carefully. Um, returning is as a process of receiving, you know, defective product, wear out product, and excess product that the customer doesn't buy it and send it back to you. And this is part of the probably the contract that you're signing with a, a buyer or a customer. Now, um, so the whole process is supply chain process is first you start um, probably in the middle with the planning and there is a planning for making the product but before you you plan of making a product there is a planning for how you get the sourcing there is a planning for the sourcing there is a planning for making the product there is a planning for delivering and planning for returning so you you have a planning of how you're going to get your sources from which suppliers and then you have a plan of how to make these products and how you deliver these products and how you return this product if there is some defective uh, uh, things in it. Now, um, so the product in general, we, any company, they provide two type of, uh, shall I say, good and service or a mix between them. You have the pure good and you have the extreme pure services. And there is something in the middle, which is the basically delivering a good and you to make it to you make you to make it a more competitive, you add some kind of a service in it. Now there is the other side where it is a pure services, and then to make it a competitive, 
you add some product or you deliver a product in order for, to, for you to deliver really the service. So your bread and butter could be very defined. What is it when it's kind of a, 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 it was a product service or a, a product uh, supported by a service or a service supported by product and that would make a big difference in uh, operation and supply chain management. As an example, if you look at the, for example, products is usually they are tangible. Um, so um, it needs less interaction with the customers and often homogeneous, they're very similar. And if they're not pressure perishables, uh, it can be put in the warehouse. <clears throat> on the other hand, on the extreme part of it, is that you have the, um, the uh, intangible, uh, which is services like, you know, um, universities, uh, um, doctors, uh, uh, these uh, lawyers, they're intangible. If the time passed by, you lose that time. So having a doctor doing not delivering, it's a loss. So that's where it makes a difference between um, extreme, um, good and extreme the service. So in the intangible interaction with the customer required, inherently heterogeneous is usually is a different and it's perishable, it's time dependent as we said, and defined and evaluated as a package of, of future. So these you, have, you need to look to differentiate between all of these, whether we have a good, extremely good or extremely services, or a combination of them. A good example, uh, probably the product that you find them in um, Dolorama. These are only products they're sitting, so you can pick them up whenever it's possible. But on other hand, if you're talking about a products like a, a IBM, we get to confuse is IBM is uh, producing products their goal is really to provide services. So they push their mainframes, their products in order for them to provide services. And as we said, as an ex extremely pure services like college, our college universities, hospitals, lawyers. So these are the differences between them. Now, <clears throat> as we said, pure goods, food products, chemical mining, they're all homogeneous and similar. Now you get the core good, appliance, uh, automobile, data storage systems. These are kind of, uh, they're selling you good, but there is some service comes as a support behind it. And then you get the core services like uh, hotel, airlines, internet providers, and these are usually um, uh, their goal is to sell you the services, but they provide you some products behind it. Uh, and then you got the pure services like university and medical and investment companies. So these are the extreme, the four types in the market available or a combination of between them. Um, yeah, as, as, as somebody who work, works in that, you need to figure it out. Um, where is your company? Where is this company that you're working for? It's fit, and usually you find it in the their strategy and business plan. Now, um, if we are 
talking first to just a second. Uh, if we want to talk about uh, probably a, a product service bundling, as we said, um, refers to a company building services activity into its product offering. And you will probably find a lots of products that they provide service. And usually you don't purchase a product if there is no 1-800 number service or maintenance service, something like that. So many firms offer a combination of goods and services. Products that are supported by services such as warranties and guarantees and training. Um, services are enhanced through the inclusion of this product, of the product. So in order for them to be competitive, they provide some kind of a service behind the product they are selling it. Um, so uh, in the other side, it's a little bit different. And we will talk about that other side too. In the other side, probably they are trying to sell you the service where they make the big chunk. And you have a, a good example when you go and buy um, uh, a mobile uh, in, uh, you know, like in Roger or something, they will give you the iPhone for free. Uh, but it's bundled because they are trying to sell you the service that they have there. So you sign a contract with them for two years. It, it, it is the service that they are providing. It will cover the cost of that equipment. Now, there is a three thing, whether you are talking about uh, products or service or a combination of them in the middle, there's three things you need to take into consideration. Efficiency, effectiveness and value uh, value efficiency doing something at the lowest possible cost now effectiveness doing the right thing to create the most value value for the customer you become very effective and then the value is basically what we say we we pay dollars for the value perceived for it so uh, the attractiveness of a product relative to its price. And sometimes if you're looking for something and you cannot find it and you find it somewhere is a little bit more expensive, you will take it because you value it so much for it. So these are three different things that you need to take into consideration. How, when you have to be efficient, how, how and how much, how much you have to be effective and what's the value on it. Let's give you an example. In a supermarket way, um, um, it's inefficient to have two or three tellers there, somebody who is, you know, uh, uh, have the less numbers on the, on the, you know, machines, the better for the, the owners. But, it's not effective if you have so many customers are buying and staying in a lineup. So you need to be effective. So you need to put more people on the tellers so they can quickly, the customer buy things and walk out. So that's what you call effective. But if you want to be more efficient, you will have less people there. And that might hurt you as a business wise. And the value, how many times you walk in in the store and you see a big lineup, so you just leave your stuff and walk out because they're not being effective, they're being efficient. 
So you need to do some balancing between effectiveness and efficiencies. But the value is a different thing. Uh, when you're buying something worth of $10, maybe you value it $10, some other probably will buy will value it higher or lower. So is the benefit you receive from it. That's, that's what the value is all about. Now, um, <clears throat> so evaluating efficiency is a benchmarking, a process in which one company studies the process of another company to identify whether uh, best practice, or usually they will search in general where is the best practice and they try to compare themselves to, to others. Benchmarking is important for investors and because they want to make sure that this company is working efficiently so they can invest in it more or they will look at it. From, from, from an operation and supply chain perspective, the relative cost of providing a good or service is closely related to earning growth. So, um, so the benchmarking is more important for the investor because they wanna see the dollar that they are putting there, how much revenue is generating for them. Efficiency, so uh, means a lot because you minimizing the cost and maximizing the profit in, in, in a way. Now, there is the management efficiency ratios, and we need to go through these few definitions so you can, you know, keep them in mind for uh, quizzes and tests and exams reasons. The days of sales outstanding. It means the numbers of days that it takes to collect the cash from the customer. So you are delivering your product, and sometimes you give them a three days, sometimes you give them one month, three months. These are the days that it needed to collect the cash from them. And the day inventory is a number of day worth of inventory. When you buy something to sell it, um, how many days it stays in your inventory there in the warehouse before it gets sold. <clears throat> and that's the reason is how much is this product is staying there and costing holding to your, your 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 funds and holding to your money and how much costing you for keeping that product so the day inventory is important um, and it's a number of the days worth of inventory the payable period how quickly the supplier are paid so um, um when when you take things you take things on a credit and how quick that you will pay the longer you take time, the better for, for you uh, to pay the supplier. Uh, cash conversion cycle is how quickly a company converts the cash it's received from the sales to company profit. So once you get the cash, uh, usually there's part of it you pay for the expenses, there is some part of it you have to hold it there. So how quickly you can convert it to a profit because a profit is the main goal for the investors. Receivable turnover, number of times receivable are collected. So when you make a, 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 you, you sell something, you put it on a receivable. And the longer is the receivable, the chance to collect it is less and more risky. So you wanna make sure that as short as possible, you can collect your money but sometimes 
the market will not allow you to do that because there is a competition and somebody, if he's giving somebody the credit of one month and they have a similar product that you do, and if you try to give them a three months credit, they will go with your competition because it is giving them one month credit. So receivable turnover, it's about the number of times receivables are collected and uh, how long it's taken in. Inventory turnover is the average of time inventory is sold <clears throat> and replaced during the year. And uh, once again, we will go through a chapter where we talk in details about inventory tur turnover and calculation and when we're supposed to buy um, the, 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 the saving finished good or uh, raw materials and how many is and how long we're supposed to keep it. And, and that's all determined by the inventory turnover. And then you have the asset turnover is the amount of sales generated for every dollar worth of asset. So if I'm putting $100 in uh, buying an asset, um, what's the profit I'm generating? If I'm doing it manually, costing me zero uh, to produce this stuff. And if I bring the machine, which is worth of $10,000, I need to do the calculator whether I'm doing enough uh, turnovers and making sales more, which is helps me to get, get more about the product. We will talk about this a full chapter about this part also. So I think it would be very interesting for you to, to go on these details. Now, just to make sure that you, uh, after the, those definitions, you need to look at these calculations that is done, management efficiency ratios, which is the, of the cash conversion cycles is the day's sales outstanding plus the day's inventory minus the payable period. Now, the other thing that you need to see is the receivable turnover, how it's calculated, is the annual credit sales on the average account receivable. This is all is a cost accounting and management accounting. And to do the inventory turnover, you do the cost of goods sold, which is you can get it from the financial uh, uh, spreadsheet on the average of inventory value. And the last is the asset turnover, where the revenue or sales are divided by total assets. And these are the things where the investor usually looks at them in order to, or banks looks at them in order to supply you with more funds in a way. Now, um, here is some jobs that uh, you probably, when you look at them, now you look at them differently. And they are, as we said, beside the finance market, uh, finance and uh, sales. These are the jobs that belong to operation and supply chain management. One is like the planet manager, where he is, you know, the, calculating the materials that is needed and uh, doing the operation there. The other things like a hospital administrator, uh, a branch manager, um, department store manager, 
call center manager, supply chain manager, um, purchasing manager, quality control manager, uh, business process improvement analysis or BPM, and uh, the lean improvement manager. These are all the jobs um, belong to uh, operation and supply chain. So there is a big chunk of jobs in a market is probably 80 to 90% of the uh, work uh, jobs are belong to uh, operation and supply chain management. As a, for example, project manager, um, you will have all kind of project IT, uh, physical uh, operation, uh, productions, all these kind of things. And you have the production control analysis is somebody in charge of looking at the production and how we can improve the production and how can minimize the cost. And then you have the facilities or if the, uh, somebody's in charge of the facilities manager and CEO, this is one of the jobs that I used to do as a chief operating officer for, uh, um, for a value added services, uh, which is a combination of product and services. So CEO is, uh, is reporting to chief executive officer. I've done this for over, over I think six years for value added services. <clears throat> so um, now the next thing, the career in operation and supply chain manager, as we said, you can be a plant manager, oversees the workforce and physical resource like inventory, equipment, and information technology required to produce the organization product. You can be a hospital administrator where you oversee the human resource management, staffing, and financing at the healthcare facility plus the product. You can be the uh, branch manager such as in a bank, oversees all the aspects of financial transaction at a branch department store manager, which is you see them a lot in the stores, oversees all the aspects of staffing and customer services. Call center manager oversees the staffing and customer service activity at all call centers. Supply chain manager, which is negotiate the contract with vendors and coordinate the flow of material inputs to, to the production process <clears throat> and the shipping of finished product to the customer. So, um, and purchasing manager manages the day-to-day -day aspect of purchasing, such as invoicing and follow-up and all these things. Now, these are some, some kind of jobs that you can get in supply chain manager, management, uh, uh, OC, OSCM. Um, the others is like a logistic manager and it is uh, oversees the, the movement of goods through the supply chain warehousing distribution manager, oversees uh, all aspects of running a warehouse, business process improvement analysis, applies the tools to learn product to reduce the cycle of time and eliminate the waste in a process. Quality controls, manager is applies the techniques of statistical quality control where they minimize the defects and the products. Um, lean improvement manager is usually train the organization members in a 
lean production and continuous improvement. We will touch on all these subjects where we will have a general understanding and some understanding of these products. Project manager, which is <clears throat> a plan and coordinator, staff activities such as a new product development, new technology deployment, and a new facility location. I've done such such job for a, for a few years uh, in the field of IT. Product production control analysis of plans and schedule day-to-day -day production. And you get the facility manager ensure that the building facility design layout furniture and other equipment are operating at the peak efficiency i know it's a little bit more information but this is we will go on the details once we we get to uh, each subject separately but overall the the history uh, of development for operation and chain management started in probably in early days in 1800. But uh, in this book, we will touch on subject that after 1980s. Uh, uh, so uh, we will be talking about uh, probably uh, just in time. Uh, the Japanese way of, uh, you know, uh, started this thing. Uh, total quality management, and uh, we were to talk about service quality and production, uh, what's the Six Sigma qualities and business process. And you, you see each one has developed in a certain years. And you know, the electronic commerce, we will talk about them because there is an assignment on the electronic commerce for you. And the supply chain management, service science and sustainability which is we uh, probably the last subject uh, that we can talk about and it's a recent things it's happening now and um, you know the business analysis is a process that you analyze you're trying to find out what's the best approach to minimize the costs and maximize the profit and um, increase the efficiencies and the effectiveness. Now, um, current issues that in OCM, which is the cool stuff about it and people are working on it, uh, you know, trying to get an edge on, on these is coordinating the relationship with organization. You know, there's most, there's lots of products that is um, has so many you get it from so many suppliers or the supplier gets it from this there is a stages in it and you could fit between all these stages uh, or you could be the end stage where you provide to the customer so the coordination between the, these organizations is very important is managing the company that produce component and supply uh, major business function of the firm we will bring some softwares. You will look at them, very sophisticated one, and how it works in working this uh, CRM or uh, BPM or BAI. These are information that you're gonna look at it. So we will have a two way of looking. One way is looking at uh, operation directly or service directly. And then the other way we were gonna look at it eventually, we will look at taking the application, the most sophisticated applications in the market and 
break it down to see why they have something like that. So you probably would have two part of the understanding because these days, most of these operations runs based on IT. So you need to understand which, uh, what's in the IT that can help your operations also. The second thing is uh, optimizing global suppliers production and distribution network. Make, mitigating the risk, um, getting the things on time, minimizing uh, the cost, all these is part of the optimizing the global suppliers because now it's a, it's a global market and it's open. So leveraging the information available to the firm to make a decision concerning inventory, transportation and production. Uh, it's very important. Sometimes you cut part of your production, give it to the supplier whether or you work as an, uh, you know, um, horizontal or vertical with others just to make sure that everything is under control is how you're going to make that decision. Um, uh, managing the customer's touch point, recognizing that the resource utilization decision must consider both the cost staffing and the cost of associated with the lost customer. And we spoke about the supermarket, we know you have a tellers or in a bank, you don't want to stay in a big lineup because that sound um, um, probably uh, less effective, but you need to be uh, efficient. You lower the numbers of the, the tellers, people there, but once you, people say it's in the lineup, big lineup, you might lose some customers. And the raising of awareness of competitive advantage of um, operation supply chain management. Many companies have created significant advantage through the um, uh, operation and supply chain management, like Amazon, like uh, uh, it's one of the top big companies. Uh, there is so many of them that they don't produce, they really have the middle for the, the operation and supply chain, they're part of it and it's, it, they, it, people have, a, if you don't put specialized people in these fields and you bring them from a different field, they might not do a good job and eventually sales would not do well and the company and the management would not do well. It's, uh, the, all the others is supportive staff, support staff, but the, the core business is to have people who can produce the service or goods for you. So by now um, we have finished chapter one and uh, hopefully we will be, next class we'll be talking about chapter two and I will supply with all the information. You have a nice day. Hi class, this is chapter two uh, and uh, we'll start right away. So let me share the screen with you. Okay, in this chapter, we will be talking about the strategy and sustainabilities. And uh, the learning outcome, uh, it's uh, know what a sustainable uh, strategy and and how it relates uh, to 
operation and supply chain management. We will define uh, the operation and supply chain management, explaining uh, how operation supply chain strategies are implemented. Understand why strategy have implications relative to business risk and evaluate the productivities in operation and supply chain management. But before we start that, I would like to just uh, explain something for you, maybe that will help you to understand how strategy is related to business, uh, to supply chain management and uh, operation. As we said, like uh, an earlier, we said that, you know, there is an option of going from point A in a C to point B in a C. Um, and uh, if you have a small boat made of one or two people and you find obstacles, it's very easy to maneuver between them and get from point A to B. But if you have a, a medium ship or a large ship and have people on it and there is a captain and gas is needed or diesel and you know certain timing there is a port that you need to stop by and port to move in and there is an obstacle there then you need a plan uh, to uh, to move from point a to b and this plan should be uh, communicated with all uh, people who is a stakeholder or shareholder in that big ship. So, because they have to get the gas or the, the you know the diesel, they have to get enough manpower. They have to know how long it takes to be in the uh, move around the obstacles if you find. So all it's that you need to build a strategy according and a business uh, strategy plan to move your big ship from point A to point B. And this should be communicated with everybody. So that's the same thing. If we're talking about mid-sized to large-sized companies, you still need a strategic plan to do that. And please keep that in your mind while we are presenting this chapter uh, to further. Now, sustainable operation it, it comes from sustainabilities and the ability to meet the current resource needed without compromising the ability of the future generation to meet their uh, need. It means that you can, you're, you're supposed not to put your hand in the future resources. And when you're consuming the resource, you need to think about the future and, and next generations also. The firm's strategy describes how it, it will create and sustain value for its current shareholders. And it means every firm has two parts, is the shareholders and the stakeholders. So the shareholders, individual or companies that legally own one or more shares of the stock in that company, uh, or partnership and somebody wants part of that share. The stakeholder, on other hand, individual or organization who are directly or indirectly influenced 
by the action of the firm. So if the firm shuts off and stop producing, some customer or uh, uh, a supplier cannot produce more, or the customer who could be a company can uh, runs out of these supplies. So these are considered to be uh, stakeholders. Employees are stakeholders. The management are stakeholders. Uh, but the owners or companies who are, are shareholders. So the goal of sustainability means that the scope of the firm's strategy must focus on really three areas or the triple bottoms, which is you're gonna see it in how it looks in the, in the next slide. But it has the three things is the social responsibility, the economic prosperities, and the environmental stewardship. The social responsibility is the business practice should be fair to labor, to community, and to the region where the firms conduct businesses. The economic prosperities, the shareholders must be compensated via the competitive return. Because if the shareholder doesn't get compensated, he can cut on his, his uh, resources. Um, and the environmental stewardship is the company should protect the environment as much as possible. And this is a very good trend to do it in North America and in Western Europe. Uh, it can generate lots of business for, for, for any company who does these three, especially the last thing. Now, um, this is the triple thing. They said the economic prosperities, the social responsibility, and the environment stewardship. And they have to, any company has to take these things into considerations. Now, um, when it comes to operation and supply chain strategy, as we said, um, it is setting broad policies and plans for using the resources of a firm must be integrated with the corporate strategy because the corporate strategy is setting up goals. So when you are using the resource of the firm should be toward meeting these goals. The corporate strategy provides overall direction and coordination operation goals with those for the larger organization. Let me give you an example. If you're talking about a company with provide a services and they want to be a service provider, so they need this, you know, they go to this, they share this uh, uh, corporate strategy with the, uh, let's say, uh, um, the IT manager. Accordingly, with this corporate strategy, IT managers are selecting and building softwares and service uh, to help to provide the company the services. And same time, they share this goal with the HR manager. And the HR manager also will be bringing the manpower with the certain skills uh, that they can deliver the services uh, over there. And they can, you know, um, on with all the management level and the management level will be responsible to implement their part of the work where they all put together in order to 
meet the, 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 the strategy plan of the company. So um, the operation effectiveness, in other words, in other side, on other hand, is the performing activities in a manner, any kind of activities within the company, that best implements the strategies of priorities at the minimum cost. Means when you build the plan, uh, and we will go through this example later on, you need to see how you're gonna be effective and at the same time efficient at the lowest cost possible and um, effective at the same time. So um, the, when you are having a factory or a firm provide service, doesn't matter legal service or uh, doctors or anything, um, there is a competitive dimension that you you need to look at it from uh, supply chain management and operation. And the first one is the cost or the price. So you probably want to be make the product or delivery the services cheap because the profit is uh, you know sales minus the cost. Um, you need to look at the quality and uh, make the great product or delivery as a great services. Now, all these things, you need to balance between them. You, you, you need to find out where is the edge. You cannot have all these things together in the same time. Um, delivery speed, make the product or delivery the services as quickly. Um, delivery reliabilities, when you're doing a delivery, you deliver on time and you are right, uh, you know, if you promise within 48 hours, it should be delivered within 48 hours or uh, within five working days or something like that. So you have to have uh, deliver it when promised, um, coping with the change in demand. So if suddenly your demand increase, you should be able to do that. And you have to be, it has to be part of your plan or how you're gonna cope with the demand if it's increased or decreased. And you have to have a flexibility and a new product introduction speed. So when you flexible, you can change like, you know, the service that you provide or the product, and you can be very quickly to add on a new product and service the speed. Other product specific criteria you should be able, if you're providing product, you can do it technical assistant, meeting launch, something gives you an age, offers sales support after sales support, environment impact, something that gives you edge over the competitions. So these are the issues that you need to really look at it and uh, do the competitive dimensions for it. Now, furthermore, some other like technical liaison and support a supplier may be expected to provide technical assistance for a product. As we say, you know, there is, you know, pure product, product with a service, uh, service with a product and pure service. So let's say you're providing a product with a service and your service is technical assistance for the product development and all these things. Uh, ability to meet the launch date, 
requirement of coordinating with other firms on a complex project so they know when you are able when you're supposed to deliver uh, so they can set up their their also line of production or they produce before you to supply you all these things um, as we said supplier after sales support involve the availability of replacement part so if you're selling something that you don't have replacement part and you know when you buy a car or something the first thing you are worried about it is uh, the, the the parts and some uh, cars usually are not very much uh, people are interested in it because the parts is not available uh, as an example uh, difficult to get the parts and some of them are people are interested in it because of purely because the parts are available in, in everywhere like you know um, Dodge, GM, Honda, their, their parts are available. So that makes it more valuable for the, has more value in it. Um, you need to look at the related uh, criteria uh, such as carbon dioxide emissions, the use of non-renewable resources. As I said, we're gonna see in the video how um, later on uh, Ford and other uh, car manufacturing are reusing things, uh, minimizing the, the resources. And the other dimensions probably is uh, colors available, uh, size, weight, location, customization. These are things that you are, you are in charge of looking at them in order to have an edge over uh, 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 others. So what's the trade-offs? Management must decide the parameters of the performance are critical and concentrate on the resource of that characteristic. This is what you do when we mentioned all these characteristics, most of the time you're not able to meet all these characteristics. And you need to know some characteristic that you are able to meet and have an edge on them where in order for you to, to perform, because there is issue, bottom line is selling your service or is selling your product. So these are things that you need to look at it where you can really improve and where is being advanced ahead of everybody. And where is the part that you cannot really do anything about it. So focus on this. So management, uh, uh, an operation cannot simultaneously excel on all competitive dimensions. For example, like a firm that is focused on a low cost production may not be capable of quickly introducing a new product because they are in a low cost production and um, probably homogeneous production. So they'd not be able to produce a new product very quickly. Um, a strategic position is not sustainable unless there is a com compromise with the other positions. So if you want to be ahead or you want to have a, a strategic, as we said, you sometimes you look at the efficiency versus the effectiveness and uh, you don't want to lose your customers waiting online. So you have more employees, so you became less efficient and but more effective. So you need to do all these calculations to find out how you're gonna, uh, you know, um, choose what makes make you stand out with uh, between the other competition. So um, 
Straddling is when you are seeking to match some successful competitors by adding the features, further service, technology, or existing activities. And it's probably if you're trying to match the others, sometimes you're not looking at yourself pretty well as a company, and you might, it could be a little bit risky to do so. Um, so you have to understand one thing, it's a difference between uh, order winners and order qualifiers. You see, when sometimes in every company, mid-size or large or government, usually they publish RFI, request for information. During that request for information, there is some conditions that you put there where this all, everybody gets allowed to, to you know, submit their, uh, uh, their answers. Um, sometimes they try to limit it, but it's open for the public. So the, after this request for information, then you becomes, uh, you select few of them and it becomes an RFP, which is a request for a proposal. And there is where, uh, when you move from RFI to RFP, you have an order qualifier. You are become one of the 10 companies qualifier. But between all these 10 companies, one company who will be uh, winning this deal, which is they call them the order winner. So describe marketing oriented dimensions that are the keys to competitive success. Uh, order winners are criterias that differentiate the products or service one of one firm from the others. And another example, like you say, um, to do a qualifier, you say, I need uh, 100 laptops, who can supply me from all these manufacturing, like uh, HP, Dell, and all IBM. But that's order qualifier. So all these companies can do a laptop, so they come in. But then you need say, I need a, a storage of uh, 20 terabytes or something like that. And there's only one company who can do that. That's what makes a, a, a order winner. So order qualifier are a screening dimension that permits the firm, a firm a product to consider as possible as candidate for purchase, but they're not order winners. One of them could be an order winner or some of them. Feature customer would not uh, forge, would not ignore. There is 10 features the customer looks at them and uh, nine of them are met for everybody and they are order qualifier, but number 10, one of them is better than everybody else that it's more complicated than that, but let's say put it this way, number 10 is one company is better than everybody else, could be the pricing or whatever, um, delivery time or the quality, and that makes it, uh, that company wins, so that's what you call an order winner. Now, um, so if we look at uh, IKEA, for example, 
And uh, IKEA, most of the companies, what they do, they look at the customer, their customers, and they work background to make sure that they can see how the things can perform. So in IKEA, the diagram that shows here how a company's strategy is delivered through a set of supporting activities. See, in manufacturing, which is here, IKEA design staff focus on minimizing the cost of manufacturing. But what's their customer? Customers are young, not wealthy, and have children. They're looking for a product, low cost, modular furniture that is easy to transport. So according to that, IKEA, what they did, they IKEA designed a staff focus on minimizing the cost of manufacturing and uh, in the field of infrastructure feature. Uh, manufacturing by a long term suppliers and a high level of inventory to uh, maximize the availability. When it comes to the level of the service feature, what they do, they provide service uh, selection uh, by customer. So the customer will go and select their product and unassembled furniture lies flat for easy transportation and minimize uses of warehousing space and uh, uh, transportation cost. Then they, when it comes to the store future, they so they are located in suburbans, and uh, they have a place for the child care uh, room like display, so that you can see the display. But you, then you go on the very wide uh, aisles, uh, support high traffic, and then the warehouse is the same store, so you pick up your cartoons. And this is how they meet the young, not wealthy. Uh, and have children and customers. So you look at your, you, you segment your market and then you try to meet and make it a, a winner for your case. Now, while you're working an operation, probably there is so many things that you need to get in order to produce. Now, most of us, don't see the details that goes to produce, for example, a pen or a very simple uh, a paper, uh, not to forget about the more complex thing. We, we have a tendency of looking at it, buying it or selling it, but we don't know how difficult to build, how complicated to do that. So first part is that you need to assess the risk. Uh, because you have suppliers, you have products coming in from everywhere, and you need to assemble it and sell it somewhere else. Maybe you are in the middle of things. Now, so uncertainties in the environment cause supply chain planner to evaluate the risk, relative riskiness of their operation and strategies. So they put it in a scale and try to see how can they mitigate the risk got to do with the supply. Supply chain risk is likelihood of disruption that would impact the ability of a company to continue supply of product or services. And simple is no electricity. Uh, so you cannot operate uh, in a dark uh, manufacturing, for example. Um, simple, there is no water. Uh, so you cannot pull in the machines or uh, uh, no internet, so you cannot provide the services. These are all risk things. Um, 
So the supply chain coordination risks are associated with the day-to-day -day management of supply chain. They look at all the way of the supply chain and they try to see the risk there. So if you bring a product, they're looking at the supplier, the transportation, the processing, and the transportation to the customer, they have the responsibility for distributing. Um, so the disruption risk or cause could be caused by a natural or man-made disaster. Now the, to break it down, um, first what you do, uh, you need to uh, look at, to identify the risk, uh, identify the source of potential disruption. Let's say um, you are, you need water and so you, or you need uh, electricity and you wanna know where you get your electricity from, how secure it is, or whether you need a backup company or you need a, a, um, probably a, a electricity generator. Um, most of us don't think of that, but um, uh, when I was in one of the colleges that I was teaching, we had electricity broke it. There's no electricity stopped. And it was, in, in a, you know, so the best thing that they, you know, they had uh, uh, generators, but the other colleges who probably didn't have the generators, they had all the system down, they had all the electricity. So there is, um, there is no disaster recovery plan. You need to build a disaster recovery plan. So identify the source of potential disruption, highly situation dependent. A focus should be on highly unlikely event also. Assess the potential impact of the risk. So uh, goals is to qualify the probability. What's the chance of this might happen? And what's the impact of it? Let's say, for example, the electricity. The chance of the, uh, the electricity is pretty low that you, know, you don't have electricity in Canada, chance very low. But the impact is big because the internet is down, the students are not getting their service, um, the school is, the college or the university is off. So the impact is big. So that's the reason they thought of the having the generators. And you need to know where you're gonna, you know, like, uh, set up because you're not gonna have a full backup to everything uh, unless it is necessary. Then you develop the plan uh, to mitigate that risk, to minimize that risk, to dis to cancel that risk and detailed strategy for minimizing the impact of the risk. Okay, so, um, so the situation is the fact that uh, you need, like this exhibition, you need to look at uh, the type of risk and risk, how we gonna mitigation, risk mitigation strategy. For example, the natural disaster, when a tycoon happens, when the monsoon is happening, there is an effect on them for as a supplier too. Like now what we have is also there is, um, you know, with the COVID-19 and uh, there is some effect on them where, where suppliers are not operating very well. So 
you need to have a contingency plan, alternate site, uh, uh, get it from somewhere else, and plus insurance for it. There could be a, a country risk if country suddenly goes into war or, you know, um, it gets blocked and you need to do a hedge currency or the money itself uh, goes high or low. So you need to do a hedge currencies and this is happening a lot, especially in the oil field where people, you know, do the hedge, uh, buy things 10 years down the road because they just don't want to have you know, problem with the currency produce source of it. You need to look at the supplier failure. So this way you can um, do a multiple supplier setup. So if one supplier fails, you still have the other suppliers can meet your need and demand. Uh, network provider failure and to, to mitigate it, you support of redundant digital network. And as I said, I brought the electricity but you know, once your network is failed, there is other way of getting your network supplied. Um, uh, regulatory risk, uh, and you need to do uh, an upfront and continuing research, good legal advice and compliance. So um, if you feel that in some countries that legally might be risky to supply you with this materials, then it's the, you need to have another country or another way of getting this material ready for you. Um, a good example, chemical supplying, sometimes a regular it stops that. Um, you get the commodity price risk. So you, you, the price goes up and down. So you wanted to make sure that you have multiple suppliers. So you have a multi-sourcing, uh, commodity hedging, as I said, it's a big in oil, especially in oil, uh, you do a commodity hedging. Uh, these days, uh, I mean, um, two months ago, or a few months ago, the barrel went to a zero price, zero dollar. Uh, and the only reason is because, uh, you know, there is a certain production and there is not enough uh, uh, storage and cost so much to store it. So they were rather to sell it at a $0 per barrel than keep it in, in their uh, storage and cost them $10 per, per barrel or something like that. So there is where you uh, start uh, thinking of um, commodity price risk, multi-sourcing and commodity hedging. Um, logistic failure is a very simple example. Um, somebody who is delivering things for you, uh, it suddenly stops. So as an example, in the early COVID case, suddenly they stopped all the trucks that coming from USA to Canada and vice versa. So if your, uh, your suppliers only in a state or in, in Mexico and you're using trucks, you probably got into trouble because you don't have the sub. So you need to mitigate these issues also, uh, the logistic failure. Inventories risk, you always have to do a calculation how much inventories you need to have in your warehouse without overspending or without running out of this. And in later on chapters, we'll be looking at uh, how to set up the lean supply and all the suppliers 
to get the inventory, exact inventory, just in time or something like that. Uh, major quality failure, careful selection and monitoring of suppliers, loss of the customer, service of production of innovation, once again, um, you don't need, you have to be inefficient uh, and lowering your cost, but in the same time, you don't want, for example, people waiting in line so long so they can find somebody else can provide that. So you don't wanna lose. So you need to be an effective and efficient in the same time. And the theft and vandalism, vandalism. So you have the insurance, security, precaution, knowledge of likely risk of it. These things that you need to look at them and you need to know how to mitigate uh, each one of them. So in overall, you probably need to look at something like that, uh, break it down. And when you're talking about, for example, outsourcing, you look at the natural human made disaster, which is moderate impact. Um, the green one, no impact. What's impacting on you is that you need to look at them and mitigate them and move them to a green. Uh, what's really, there's two part, chance of happening and when it's happening, what's the impact? This is how you look at the thing. So here is like in, in this exhibition exhibit, you would see that's like a quality risk. If you're outsourcing the, the, the supplier or the product, is it gonna be might be there is some quality risk involvement and so many things that you bought, you, know, you thought it's like, for example, um, made in Japan, when you looked at it, it's made in different country and then you saw the quality is really dumped in and becomes really low. So these are things that you, as a factory and company service provider uh, involved in supply chain, you need to look at them very carefully and try to mitigate them according to the impact uh, on your supply chain and uh, business flow. On other hand, you need to also look at the productivities and look at the measures of productivities. And there is so many ways of doing the productivity, but the more important is you, you, you cannot look at your productivity standalone. You have to compare it, you have a benchmark, compare it with the competition or other companies or in a, whatever is available in the market. But productivity is the common measure of how well resources are used. And it's basically, it's output divided by input. So whatever you put in, how much you can get out of that. And this is what you call um, an efficient levels of productivity. Productivity, it's called a relative measures. As we said, you have to compare it related to other uh, levels of productivities of other factories or yesterday or last year, how it's been um, improved. So there should be some benchmark that you can compare. So must be compared to something else to be meaningful. Company can uh, compare itself with the similar operations, uh, operation within its industries, measuring the productivity over time within the same operation. As I said, you can you say, uh, you, you measure it now, and you have measured it last year, and you see how being improved, or you can measure it with others. 
a partial productivity measure the ratio of some output to a single input. There is other way of doing it, and we will see it in the next slide. You will see what do we mean by partial productivity, uh, multi-factor productivity measures, and there is total productivity measures. So the here, the partial measures like output, you can do other output to labor, you can do output to capital, you can do the output to the materials or output to energy, and all this is get it from the financial statements, and you can do that. The multi-factor, this is the partial one, the multi-factor measures, the output is always on the top, and you probably can make a combination of some of these, and you get the multi-factor measures, and then you get the total measures, and this is all you want to see the productivities, how effective is your operation, and as I said, you can get it from the financial statement, all these data uh, can be done. Um, in the partial uh, measures, productivities, like uh, that's an only an example, uh, you probably in a restaurant, you want to look at how many meals you do per hour in a retail store, sales per square foot happening. Uh, and that's a pretty set up the price of your, your business. The chicken farms, uh, pounds of meat per pounds of feed. Um, there is different way of product, utility plant, how many kilowatt hours per ton of coal that you produce or per uh, whatever the input. Paper mills, tons of papers per quarter of what, how much you produce. These are all business setups that produce, shows you the total quality, the partial uh, productivity, I'm sorry. So um, basically, this is kind of end of the, the, the chapter. And uh, we will we will we'll continue with the class, and you have a, a nice time.